Greetings, friends. Today we're going to be taking a portion of a letter that Paul wrote to the church, the new church at Ephesus. To And, and this is the part of the letter where now he's getting into uh, giving them encouragement for how to live as children of God and not as the world. The, 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 the church in Ephesus is very much a Gentile church, a non-Jewish church, and there's people from all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of lifestyles and, and so on and so forth, and he was teaching them now how important it is not to live like that anymore um, if they were going to honor the Lord who had saved them and rescued them from that slavery. There, there was a man driving a car, and he was heading toward an intersection, and, and right in front of him, as he's coming up into the intersection, the, the light turned yellow. And he did the right thing by stopping just before that crosswalk. Even though he could have, you know, he could have um, beat that red light by, you know, speeding through the intersection. But he stopped at the yellow right before the crosswalk. But the tailgating woman behind him was furious. She honked her horn and she started yelling and screaming in frustration because she had missed her chance to make it through that intersection. So she dropped the cell phone she had been talking on and the makeup that she had been putting on her face. And she was just screaming and swearing at this man stopped in his car who kept her from getting across that intersection. Now, while she was still in mid-rant, she heard a little tap on her window and she looked up to see the very serious face of a police officer. He ordered her to exit her car with the hands up. He took her into the police station where she was searched, fingerprinted, um, and photographed and then placed in a holding cell. Now, a couple hours later, a couple hours later, another police officer came, opened the door, and led her out of the cell, walked her back down to the booking desk where the arresting officer was waiting there with her personal effects. He said, I'm very sorry for this mistake, ma'am. You see, as I pulled up behind your car, I heard that you were blowing your horn, you were flipping off the guy in front of you. You were cussing up a blue streak. And, and then I noticed the what would Jesus do bumper sticker. The choose life license plate holder. The follow me to Sunday school bumper sticker. And of course the chrome plated Christian fish on the bumper of your car. So naturally... I assumed that you had stolen the car. <laughs> now, was she living in such a way that gave a good impression of the one that she was proclaiming on the back bumper of her car? Was she drawing people to Jesus with the way that she was living her life? Or... Is it possible that she was allowing the devil to have a little bit of a foothold yet in her Christian life by the way she was living? 
I think the Apostle Paul would have something to say about it, rather uh, something to insist upon uh, regarding this. So let's start digging through our text with the first verse, verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So Gentiles here refers to unbelievers, people who don't have Jesus in their lives. I insist that you no longer live in the futility of their thinking. The that means the, the emptiness of their minds is really the, the expression there. The emptiness of their minds. So basically, an unbeliever, someone who doesn't have God in their life, lives with, goes through life with an emptiness of thinking. An emptiness of, of thought. They, they really are wasting their thoughts on worthless objects and worthless pursuits. The idolatry is the most glaring example, right? Wasting thoughts on something that is worthless. Giving thought to stuff that, that is meaningless, that is, that is worthless, that isn't going to help at all. That's what happens when we depart from God. Without Christ, there is no life. Think about, think about all the emptiness that, that we have called life. You know, this, ah, this is the life. You know, think about all the empty things in this world that we have considered life. Now, we have a fun little expression in our family that we like to use a lot. That We borrowed it from an old, I think, TV commercial from my youth. And the expression is, it doesn't get any better than this. We use it in fun. We use it when we're, you know, enjoying God's gifts, like a beautiful scenery or, you know, a wonderful meal. It doesn't get any better than this. We use it, we have fun using it, but think, Think how easy it would be for the, the this in it doesn't get any better than this to start becoming the thing that we pursue, right? How easy is it for, for all of us to, to whatever the this is that, that makes you, you know, utter similar expressions, how easy would it be for the this to become the object we pursue and, and our goal and focus in life, whether it's, you know, the whether it's the, the beautiful view or the, 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 the great tasting food or the fancy stuff or the, the relaxing getaway you're on or, or the beautiful house or whatever, how easy it is to make that our goal. Now, the, the unbelievers, if you don't have God in your life, the unbeliever's goal really is happiness. And so the unbeliever's mind is, is filled with thoughts, countless thoughts, thoughts about how to achieve that goal, how to obtain that goal. But if Christ is not in those thoughts, they will never lead to happiness. Our minds get filled with all kinds of ideas about how we might obtain happiness in life, but if Christ is not in those thoughts, they will never, ever lead to happiness. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. The only real life is right there, life with God. Okay, that's what it doesn't get any better than. That is real life, um, life with God, uh, being in the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God, living in the presence of God. But, but people who reject God, people who want no part of God, then are going to get 
They're not going to get, they're going to be separated from that life with God. They, they're going to, they're going to have no part of that real life with him. Why? Because they have hardened their hearts. The word there is talking about like a hardening of flesh. Hopefully none of your hearts have become hardened, you know, physically, but what happens when flesh hardens? It becomes, it loses any sensitivity to touch, right? Think of calluses. So um, when, when flesh hardens, it, it's no longer sensitive to touch. Where there is life, there is feeling. And when there is, when there's no life, there's, there's no feeling. There's only hardness. Okay, so, so people who don't want to live with God, they ignore his word then for so long, so much so that they, they eventually lose any sensitivity to what his words are saying. They, um, they, their, their perverse thoughts now no longer bother them. They get hardened to that. They abandoned they abandon all sensitivity to who God is, and they have lost life, life with God. Verse 19 says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over. They have given themselves over to sensuality, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. They've lost all sensitivity. They've become calloused. Like a past feeling. No feeling anymore. They've lost all feeling of shame. You can, you can so harden yourself that you, you no longer have any feeling of shame. There, you, you don't feel, you don't see that you're going against the ways of the, the God who created us, set down for us. Um, and, and here's what people, here's what happens with people who have hardened their hearts against God. They, they, they have no, they've lost all feeling of shame. They, they've lost any sensitivity to, to what is reality anymore. And that's the ultimate result of a long process of hardening your heart or, or living in habitual sin. You start just losing any idea that maybe this isn't the way to live. Maybe this isn't the way that the one who created us designed for us to live. And so it says that they have given themselves over to sensuality, to indulge in every kind possible, continually be greed, being greedy for more and more. Because it never satisfies. So they're gonna, it's just going to keep going. It's going to get worse and worse. And they have given themselves over. Don't we see this with all the kinds of sexual perversion today? I mean, it's getting, it's getting rammed down our throats by the media. It's being taught in our schools to our children, it, it, it's, it's, like it's, it's like taking over the world like a tsunami wave. This world we live in has given itself over to it. And so here's what happens. People who don't want to find life with God, people don't want to find life with God, so they have to then try looking for that life in other places and in other ways. If, if they're not going to find it with God, they have to find it somewhere else. So it, it, it maybe just starts out, you know, with some slight selfishness or materialism because I'm looking for what I need to find with God in some other way. Um, and then it starts, it might be a lustful thought, wanting something I shouldn't, uh, which leads to something more. And then it becomes adultery. But then that's not enough, so it's multiple adultery. But then even, even after all of that, that's not enough, so now... We leave relationships with men and women and we start looking for those relationships 
in other ways and other kinds of relationships and it just keeps getting worse and worse and it keeps spiraling out of control. If you are looking for God by indulging in sex or luxury or sinful pleasure of this world, you are never going to find God and you're going to keep on looking and you're going to, it's just, you're going to go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, no matter how perverse or how different from the way God designed us, that sounds like now. And that's why we see what we see happening in our world. The, the gift of sex that, that God has given us for our good was supposed to point us to him, reflect him. But when and if you are looking for sex to be a god or the thing that life is all about, um, then it's going to draw us away from God. And, and it will never, ever be able to satisfy that. And when the world does this, which is exactly what the world has been doing, God punishes them or punishes it by giving them over then to their impurity. So, can people be born this way or that way? Maybe they can. That is the continuing consequence of people leaving life with God for their own selfish desires. Romans chapter 1 verse 24 says, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. So when people gave themselves over, God has been punishing them in kind. By giving them up to it. Who knows, maybe by, by, by withdrawing his protection or withdrawing his preventing grace. And their sin, the sin that they're, they're experimenting in and indulging in and re, uh, reveling in, that sin becomes their punishment. How does it do that? How does it do that? Because they've given themselves over to slavery. Slavery to lust and all its desires, where you now have to listen to those desires and answer them. And they're like captives living in captivity who have stopped and just given up fighting against the enemy. It's slavery, it's captivity. People who are living this way, they aren't happy. They're living in slavery, captivity, and sadness, no matter what they pretend, no matter what they tell us. They're living in slavery, they're living in, in sadness. God gave them up to it, not against their will, because they had already given themselves up to it. So, I mean, this is true for sexual sins, but this is true for any kind of sins. We, we feel the pull too, don't we? Like, like drug addicts, people without God can't get enough of sinful pleasure that really manages to bring only fleeting satisfaction. But this, this darkened view of happiness is only going to lead to misery. It's going to, it's going to lead to a life that is not real, is not full, is, is really more of a nightmare in the darkness. Look at verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. This darkened view of worldly happiness is not how you came to know Jesus. 
Jesus Christ came and rescued you from slavery. Jesus Christ came and, and freed you from captivity. He, he saved you. He made you alive. And if you have come to know Christ, if you have come to believe in what he has done for you, then you have new life, real life, with God to look forward to. And if you have come to know Christ, you are going to live and act differently than unbelievers do. I challenge, I, I insist, dare to be different. Find real truth in Jesus. Both our Old Testament and our New Testament readings today, the one from Exodus, the one from John 6, both of those readings contain people who believed that they knew just what it was that would buy them satisfaction and happiness in life. Bread. Earthly stuff. But Jesus offers something better. The bread of life. Life for our souls. Life with God. The, the constant search for happiness in this world, in this life, by, by looking after, you know, by looking after our, our own desires or looking after our body or looking for things that are just part of this world are, are always going to lead to a dead end. Living like the rest of the world isn't the way to go. It just, you know, going, going down the stream the way that everyone else is going is not the way to go. I'm sure your, your mom all told you this when you were little. If, if everyone else is jumping off a cliff, are you going to do so just because maybe the majority of people out there are living a certain way does not mean that that way is the way to go. Let's dare to be different. Let's, let's find real truth in Jesus. Verse 21 says, Surely, surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. This is saying, it's a, it's a hard expression to translate it in, in Greek. It's saying, but assuming, of course, that you have heard about Jesus or if indeed you have heard about Jesus, and certainly you did, then, dot, 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 next verse, then you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Now, we all have stories, stories that we're not going to share, probably, with each other, uh, some worse than others, stories of our past. I, I, every one of us here has some kind of memories and stories of struggles that we've had in the past, struggles we might be having right now, some you know, bigger than others, some worse than others, but, but, but stories of things we struggle with, whether, you know, whether it's being honest or you know, with cheating or uh, greed, materialism, addictions, um, drinking, carousing, dishonoring other people. Dishonoring your parents, ignoring God, you know, we could, and the, the list grows, but we all have stories of things that we've struggled with in the past, past sins and, and even things that are reaching into our present life right now. We, we all have those stories. And even if you think you were a saint, you were not a saint until you came to know Christ. No one has been a saint until they have come to know Christ. We all need his forgiveness. So we all have stories of things in our past. We all have things uh, that we, um, everyone has a, a checkered past. 
some smaller, some bigger. We have all sinned and fall short of his glory. We've all done some things we shouldn't do. There was a man who was taught, he, was, he said to his friend, you really look depressed. What are you thinking about? And the man quickly answers, my future. Well, the first guy asks, well, what is it about your future that makes it so hopeless? And again, the man quickly answers, my past. There's a lot of people who are living who don't think they're going to have a good future because they're living in the past. They're worrying over, they're living in their past sins and they're worrying about uh, that past, th those things they've done in the past. Maybe, maybe we can identify with that here. Maybe all of us can. But we can't dwell on the past if we're going to live for the future. And, and here's the good news. Don't leave here today without hearing this. This is what you got to go home with. Jesus Christ has freed you from your past. Okay, you are free. I'm speaking to people who have been set free from the past. Uh, you are not unbelievers. You are not the Gentiles who have hardened themselves, and, and we, but we see, we, we're looking at the danger of that. You aren't that. You have been freed. You have been set free by Christ. You have been freed from slavery. You have been freed from captivity. You have been freed from your sins by what Jesus has done for you with his life, death, and resurrection. He has rescued you from slavery. He has rescued you from captivity. He has rescued you from your sins. And he has given you a new life to live. So, you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. So, is there a part of your former life that hangs on? You're a new person. God has made you a new person, but is there a part of that old person, that former person that's hanging on for dear life? You know, part of your past that, that still troubles you today, maybe part of your past that still brings you guilt, or, or part of your past, a way you used to live in your past that still tempts you. You know, part of your past that makes you uh, fly off the handle with road rage. Or, or treat other people like dirt. Or give in to addiction, or, or look for what we should be looking for with God in other places. Is there a part of your life that does that? There is. We all have it, our sinful nature. So the text here says, put it off. Take it off. Just like clothes. Just get rid of that. Take it off. You've been made do. You've been made different. How can we do that? Only in Christ. Only in Christ can we put off our past sins. Only through Christ's forgiveness can we put those off. I, just, I got back last night around midnight. Um, I just got back from Wisconsin where I dropped Jonah off for early football camp, which is three weeks before school starts. And I, and I, was, I used to do that. I, I remember those days with, mostly with fondness. Um, outside of a few things, one being the soreness and tiredness, but uh, the other being, the other thing that I remember, not with fondness, was brought straight back into my memory um, this last week, and that would be that would be the, the smell of the locker room. But think about it. You have over 80 guys on the same team, plus long practices, plus muggy August heat, plus two to three practices a day, plus not doing a whole lot of laundry, equals stench, 
Horrible. Makes you want to throw up. Um, there, there just is something about that locker room that there's like, a, there's like a perimeter, there's like a barrier. You can kind of smell it as you get anywhere near to it. Now, I think I've probably thoroughly grossed you out enough, given you enough to think about in, in your mind. Now, imagine you've gotten out of there, you've showered, you've cleaned up soap and water, you're nice and squeaky clean. Are you going to want to? Are you going to want to go back in that smelly locker room and put those wet, rotting, stinky practice clothes back on? Of course not. I mean, you'd have to be out of your mind to want to do that. Christ has made us clean. Christ has made us clean. He has, he has paid for our sins with his life and death. He has freed us from sins. He has given us true righteousness and holiness, the way that God designed us to live, the way that God wants us, created us to live. So why in the world would we want to go back to that former way of life? Why in the world would we want to go and put that smelly, stinky clothes back on? It doesn't make sense, does it? Because we've been made clean. We've been made new. So, Take that old stuff off. Get rid of that way of thinking. Those desires are deceitful. Why are they deceitful? Because the liar, the enemy, is the one who's behind them. One of just the simple ways that they're deceitful is that, that the, the enemy tries getting believers to believe that God overlooks your my sin just because we are believers. No, God hates all sin. And, and, and so that, that sin does not belong in our life. Here's what it means for us. We're going to have a daily battle. There's going to be a daily battle between that new person and that old person in our life. All right? We have, we have the new person, but we still have that sinful nature that's holding on, that's clinging, and there's going to be a battle. And that's why we need to be here in the Word. That's why we need to be growing so that our new person is growing so that the new person, the Christ person in us, can get the upper hand in this battle. There's going to be a battle. That, that old person, the sinful, the, the old Adam, the sinful nature, it is thoroughly corrupted, and it is a deadly threat to us. So what we need to do is we need to get rid of that old Adam. Martin Luther said, take that water of your baptism and drown that puppy. Drown the old Adam. Daily. Because he, he keeps, he likes, he's a good swimmer. He keeps getting back up. So daily, we put him down. This is a daily thing. Are you seeing that? Until we go to heaven, we're going to be living with old person and new person in our lives. And so this is a daily battle. We need to daily put down that, the old person, daily take off that smelly, sweaty clothes, and live lives with daily repentance for our failures because we are going to fail. We are going to give in to the old man. We are going to do that. And so we have to live in daily repentance. We have to get rid of those weeds. I don't know where I put it. It's down there. We have to get rid of those weeds. You, um, I, you know, summer, you guys have been mowing your lawn and stuff. And you know what happens, right? Like, you know, a week from now, uh, the grass grows, but like the weeds, you know, they grow up higher, right? You can see them. You know what we all do because, uh, you know, it's summer and we're relaxing. So you can just, you go mow over them, right? And it all looks nice. Have you gotten rid of the weeds? No. What happens in a couple days? They're right back. All right? So not mowing over the, the weeds or in the sins in our life. Pulling them up. Rooting them out. And that only happens with daily repentance. 
saying, God, I have messed up. I've screwed up. I deserve your punishment. But I fall at my, on my knees for mercy. And I trust in the forgiveness that your son Jesus won for me. Please forgive me. Daily repentance. Um, consider how you've been spending the, the summer months. Summer weeks, actually. Summer is a time of rest and relaxation, and people who don't care about God have all kinds of ways to pursue rest and relaxation. Are you pursuing it the same way? Or, or do you see that maybe some of the ways that, that people who don't have God in their lives pursue rest and relaxation are, are ways that, that lead to misery? Um, do you maybe see that we can't really find true rest and relaxation and pleasure in what unbelievers are pursuing? Maybe you're spending time with neighbors. Would your neighbors be able to tell that you're different? Can they tell that you're different? Does, does the language you use, does the attitude that you display show that you are wearing that robe of righteousness that Christ has put on you? Or do you have fits of road rage and anger and, and not act like, do, do, does anger overtake you? Does, does uh, jealousy uh, over, greed overtake you? Do you get carried away with materialism? Uh, do, do, you, do you treat people rudely? Um, do you look everywhere but the word of God for rest and relaxation? Do, do you get comfortable with your pet sins? Look at verse 23. To be made you were taught, in verse 22, dot, 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 verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Friends, let's let God make us new in the attitudes of our minds. That means make our minds so that our minds work like Jesus' mind. I mean, it, that's the way it should go, right? That our minds are working like Jesus' mind. So we're thinking, we're caring about our soul, not just caring about our body. We're caring about others not just ourselves. we're caring about real life with god that's the mind of jesus but we can't fix our minds like that we need god to do that for us we need him to renew our minds in that way so what do we do we need to be right here where you are today we need to be in worship in church where we're growing in the word and 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 then when you go home we need to be in our bible we need to be in the word and then we need to live it we need to let god Fill us there, strengthen us, and keep us focused on him because the world we live in is all different than that. And so we need that strength right here and right in his word daily, not just on Sunday, daily. So verse 24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So let's take off that smelly and stinky stuff and put on the new clothes that God has given us, specifically the robe of righteousness that God has given us through Christ Jesus. God has given us his image. His image is perfect. God has given us true righteousness and, and holiness. Not the fake version that the, the world has. Um, not righteousness just for show. Not just trying to look good. Not just being politically correct so we don't ruffle feathers or offend. But daring to be different daring to be different living life god's way i think when some of us think of living life god's way we think it's like laying a thousand dollar bill down the table and say here's my life lord 
It's all yours. But the reality for most of us is that, he, is that he, he sends us to the bank to cash that $1,000 in for quarters, $1,000 worth of quarters. And we go through life then putting out 25 cents here, 50 cents there. Listen to the neighbor kid's troubles instead of telling him to get lost. Go to that committee meeting and instead of doing maybe what you would like to do. Give aid to the poor man or woman in the, in the nursing home instead of hanging out with your friends. Uh, giving time to others, being different, living lives of love and service. You know, the living life God's way, which is the opposite, which is very different from the way everyone else is living, living isn't always very glamorous, very glorious. It's often done one little act of love, 25 cents at a time. You know, it'd probably be easier to go out in a blaze of glory. And maybe some of us will do that. You'll be on the news and people's faith will be strengthened, they'll come to the Lord. But chances are for most of us, and it might be a little harder to live the Christian life, one little act of love at a time, day by day, day by day, maybe not even seeing what all those things are doing, but just giving thanks to the Lord for what he's done for us little by little over the long haul. That's living life God's way. That's what it means to be different. Friends, Jesus has given us real life with God. He's made us different. So let's dare to be different. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.